everybody, welcome back to Trident Wargaming. I am Bill, and I'm actually joined with two special guests, first-timers on the channel. I've got uh, Steven with us. Hello, everyone. And then we've got Chris. Hello. We're going to be going through a LVO event breakdown, and you're kind of going to get a little bit of a triple threat. We've got uh, the Horus Heresy event that I attended, uh, the Bolt Action event that Chris attended, and the 40k champs that Steven attended. So we'll kind of do a little bit of a breakdown on each event and kind of talk about what we what we liked and just a brief, you know, overview of everything. Uh, just before we get started, just want to give a big shout out to our uh, patrons. Basically, we, we bumped up to two. We got Frederick and Dustin. So thank you so much for your support on uh, Patreon. We really appreciate everything. If you are curious about becoming a patron, you can check out the links in the description. And without any more shameless plugs, I guess we'll kick right into some some hobby stuff. Um, I can go first for hobby cool. update. Yeah. For hobby update, I I've been kind of building pretty steadily uh, since the event. I got a ton of uh, Black Legion Chaos Space Marine stuff all updated and uh, built about what fourteen Terminators and a Chaos Sorcerer and Terminator armor. The new Demon Prince model that dropped uh, just recently. I got that built. Then I did some converting uh, for a Master of Execution. Some more Legionnaire squads. And then I actually ended up getting my uh, Slow Grow Bolt Action Army all uh, built up and ready to go as well. Everything's primed. Everything's ready to pretty much uh, start painting, which is nice. I'm trying to get prepped for an event in March for 40k. Uh, so it should be... Should be a good push. Uh, I have a decent sizable force already, but, you know, I'm trying to dip my toes back in the 40k now that Arcs of Omen is up. So hoping to, uh, hoping to get, yeah, a little bit of time. I'm stoked on to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Seemed to revitalize everything season-wise, so I'm looking, looking forward to rolling some dice. How about, uh, how about yourself, Stephen? What have you been up to? Well, uh, the the push for LVO has kind of killed a little bit of my uh, my hobby uh, vibes. Um, the last uh, week there was pretty crazy with some display board uh, work. Um, maybe post some photos of what I did, what I brought later on based on how I finished. Um, but yeah, this week uh, I actually put together some shadow specters, and that's basically it. So not a hell of a lot on my end. Kind of taking a little bit of a break. I'll probably start painting some uh, some of those Shadow Spectres later tonight. It's one of those projects that I just never finished. Probably won't put them on the table, but they're cool models. Oh, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, yeah it's about it for me. Usually after the events, it kind of, you know, a little bit of a coast and wind down a bit. There's such usually a build up before it. It's uh, it can be quite taxing, I guess. Yeah, totally. So, and Chris, how about yourself? What have you been up to? I'm about the same. It was a little slow this week, getting back into life. But uh, actually, today I picked up the paintbrush, and I've, uh, it's been a long time coming trying to finish off those British Airborne. So I kind of got some straggler models for Chain of Command and so on. So I've been working on trying to finish those up. Oh, very nice. Very nice. I know we briefly talked a little bit about the uh, Chain of Command. For, for people who may or may not be familiar that's essentially like a, a a kill team version of bolt action more or less yeah based, yeah the uh the actual model composition is set up a little differently so like in 40k or bolt action you basically have a points limit and you choose within a loose set of guidelines where chain of command is a lot more structured and it breaks it down to which units in the platoon and fire teams have which weapons so okay. that's why i have the stragglers that i didn't use for the bolt action lvo event that i still it, have them to is build it the same scale um yes like, are and they no. totally different models okay interesting i've actually never heard of this so i'm kind of uh curious for sure yeah chain of command is by a company or two gentlemen out of the uk called two fat lardies and uh they you can do it in 28 millimeter 20 mil or 15 mil and i think they suggest 20 but it's pretty close for all the measurements and mechanics for 28 mil hmm, cool interesting interesting yeah we'll have to poke your brain about that later i guess 
Yeah, the history buff side of things for me uh, has always been interested in bolt action, but it's one of those things where too many too many miniature hobbies. That's one that's just kind of always been interesting, but I've never picked up. So maybe one day. Yeah, bolt action's been been pretty good to me so far. Kind of jumped in the last year, and I've I've enjoyed it. Um, very much a, a different pace compared to 40k, um, but very cool. I do like the historical aspect of the game, so. It's it's uh, always good, but I guess uh, jumping into some meat potatoes. So LVO 2023 is wrapped up. It's basically been a week now, which is kind of hard to believe. But yeah, last last week blew by. Uh, the event kicked off, which looked like it was super super successful. Um, talking with Reese uh, with the FLG team, he said like it was just just slamming all weekend, which was really good to hear. Uh, yeah, it was their biggest uh, biggest event they've ever had uh, yeah. in, a, in basically every system. I think the only system that shrunk was War Machine. That's crazy. It's good to hear, though. It, it's nice to see that tabletop is alive and well. Uh, obviously, the exhibitor hall was bumping because there's a ton of different stuff from all the different vendors out there. I know I was I was throwing down cash, grabbing some uh, little goodies, you know, that were available there, which is always. Always nice to kind of see what's new, what's um, breaking. So for myself, I attended the Horse Heresy narrative, and I was also signed up for the Horse Heresy competitive, which was on Sunday. Uh, the narrative was a Friday-Saturday event. It consisted of five games. Uh, basically, I believe they had enough tickets for 90 people. And I, I, I'm using the numbers loosely because I don't have an exact, but what I heard was up to, I think, 70 ended up showing up, which is good. Like, you always get some uh, event attrition, no matter what. So, uh, 70 players. It was Loyalist versus Trader pairings. Uh, the pairings were uh, were randomized. Basically, they had us line up in Loyalist and Trader lineups, and then as you shuffled down, you kind of walked across and met your opponent, and you played. Uh, the event itself was essentially, um, it kind of took a little bit of a 40k stance where you got to pick uh, one of one of five secondary or one of five primaries and then a list of secondary uh, objectives. And you could use the secondary objectives as many times as you wanted, but the primary objective you're restricted to for one mission only, uh, which was kind of a kind of interesting take on on the event. Um, day one was very much kind of like a movement and you really got to like, uh, lock down some objectives, pretty much like a, establishing a beachhead feel. And then day two was more of like holding, uh, holding these objectives on the board and, uh, playing it that way. Uh, o overall, I, I thought the event was really well done. Um, Alex was uh TO there and he, he had a lot of stuff kind of figured out. The only thing that I would love to see for next round uh, would be the mission packs and like the player packs where essentially they're like digitally online so you had to scan a QR code and it pulled up a bunch of different info for you uh, which was cool but when you're kind of surfing through you know like three to four pages of objectives and info and uh, they roped in um, having like a remembrancer that could score additional campaign points if it witnessed certain things in the game it was really like it was really cool to have all that. They provided the model to everybody the morning on Friday. But I, I, I'm I'm kind of a hard copy guy myself, so you know it, it'd be nice to have the hard copy papers, being able to go through everything and have it at your fingertips versus screenshotting the QR codes. But essentially, that was that was really the only thing that I think could have been better. Um, other than that, the the matchups were really really good. I I only played. Uh, four out of my five games day one i bailed after uh after my first two games i was just uh i was just bagged from the night before just getting everything prepped staying up late all week trying to paint right and just yeah i just kind of dipped out for that last game and i know uh the guy one of the guys went down there with dan he was in the same boat and we both decided we just looked at each other. We played uh, game two and I was like, ah, let's get out of here. Fuck it. Right. Just go for a beer, walk around the event area, kind of check it all out. It's there's so much to see. And when you're gaming and, you know, really kind of focus on the game, like eight hours just melts by. And then sometimes you miss your chance to kind of, you know, get out there and mingle a little bit. So it was kind of nice just to rip out and kind of see what was going on. 
the day two was really good. I, I had solid games with everybody. Um, one of my favorite games was with the, uh, a gentleman who was playing World Eaters. I just, as many bodies as he threw out at me on the board, I had bullets for, which was a lot of fun. Um, that one was like right down to the wire. We ended up actually tying uh, based on VP. I scored more CP, like the campaign points, but it was really solid game. Um, prize support and everything seemed to be pretty decent as well, uh, especially with Heresy. Like it's essentially uh, more than doubled from the previous year in uh, 2020. That's last time it was on, which was really nice to see. And yeah, uh, overall, like I I thought it was really good. The day three competitive, there was I heard fourteen people signed up. Unfortunately, only seven showed on day three, and I was feeling a little rough. I won't lie. Uh, so with it being odd numbers, I ended up actually dropping from the competitive event, which was kind of silly. Like it's one of the main reasons I went down there because I really wanted to have a uh, competitive option for heresy. And I ended up actually getting some zone mortalis games in instead, which was a lot of fun. It was my first time for heresy 2.0. Uh, it was pretty decent and easy to kind of walk through the white dwarf rules. It's in uh, white dwarf 477. So if you're ever interested in some zone games, definitely check that out. Uh, also, the gentleman, uh, Anton, that we had on the podcast a couple episodes ago, uh, they were running their Zone Mortalis Friendly, and they had all their um, kind of updated and adapted rules uh, that layer on top of the White Dwarf article. So there, there's tons of different opportunity for games. Um, day three, they also had the Mega Battle running parallel to the competitive and the mega battle looked really, really cool. Uh, there was tons of tables. I wanted to say there were seven set up in total. And there was no actual points limit or force org chart to follow. It was just basically bring what you wanted, bring what you have, and just have this massive brawl. And they would kind of balance out the teams as people were kind of showing up and declaring what they had. They did a character claim, uh, which for mega battle, it kind of makes sense to do it that way. Um, just because obviously you don't want to have multiple Primarchs or multiple special characters running around on the same table. On different tables, it might be okay, but um, overall, I thought that was pretty well done. Uh, the one zone game that I that we played, the Loyalists ended up actually taking control of a battle barge, and as you were holding these uh, computer terminals on the table, you could roll dice, and on a six, you could actually fire one of the uh, volcano cannons like onto a random planet, and... Once we actually cleared the bridge and the ship was under our control, the TO said, like, we could either scuttle the ship and blow it up and bring down debris on kind of like a bunch of multiple, or we could crash the battle barge into the planet and cause like a 12-inch beam across several of the tables and then massive explosions on the out outer lying tables, which obviously we wanted the most destruction. So we crashed the planet, crashed the ship into the planet, which was awesome. Um, ben, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Uh, ben, unfortunately, uh, had his army wiped out because of that beam uh, attack, that big <laughs> explosion. Uh, killed pretty much his army except for Perturabo. And uh, yeah, he, he was pretty animated when I was talking to him because he was like, dude, my whole army just died. And I was like, I'm sorry, bro. I was like, for the emperor. Uh, he was playing Iron Warrior, so it felt really fitting uh, to be able to be an Imperial Fist player and kind of just tell him, hey, that's how it is. And I know there's a, a Raven Guard guy as well who got caught in the blast and a lot of his forces got wiped out. And there was kind of a lot of like, what the fuck? Like just tons of destruction, tons of uh, explosions. They had a Emperor class uh, Titan. Someone scratch built. That thing ended up getting taken out and then more chain reaction explosions. And it was just, that's kind of what the Mega Battle usually is. Just a big shit show of explosions and death. So... I'm so glad that it uh, worked. We uh, we were on the flight home behind, sitting one row behind Alex. This is the second time I've heard this story, and it sounds oh, like it was wow, a. Really? It sounds like it was a pretty rad moment. Actually, I heard it from his perspective too. So, uh, oh, yeah, cool. that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. It, it it was it was all honestly a really good time. Uh, they did door prizes and had some uh, 3D printed prizes that uh, Alex ended up coming up with as well on top of it and we ended up actually even getting those uh flg gold coins 
Um, that was a first. I think they had some extras in the box and kind of hooked us up. Everybody at the Harris event got, you know, their FLG 2023 coins, which is cool. Um, but yeah, overall the event, yeah, was really good. Uh, met a lot of guys connected down there with a lot of, uh, people I've been talking to online. Um, it was really cool just to put faces to names. I think for me, that's one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest draws of going to the event and then also being a bit of a social butterfly and being able to meet up with, uh, Duncan and Kenny Boucher and War Mistress and a bunch of different people, uh, some even local from Edmonton, uh, but you know, really kind of getting that social aspect and getting the, to see everybody kind of in their element was a lot of fun. So, uh, I guess who, uh, who wants to talk about their event experience next? I'm happy to jump in. Um, sure. yeah, so I, I'm on this in the same boat, like, uh, LVO this year was, was really fun, uh, partly because I did quite well for the things I wanted to, to compete in. Um, and the event itself was just well run. Um, I had six phenomenal opponents. I obviously played in 40k champs. Um, you, you actually were talking about something earlier about the, the event being the biggest. Uh, so I think there were like 1,020 players registered and 960 showed up the day of. Uh, so it was the biggest 40k tournament ever. Um, one of the things that I also found super interesting is uh, AOS, I think, had 360 players and they had two drops. Uh, like wow. when you talk about tabletop miniatures being, uh, uh, you know, alive and well, uh, that's absolutely true. Um, yeah, people wanted to get out and play games, uh, so that was that was good. Um, talking a little bit about the event itself uh, for people that haven't gone, um, it's at the Rio, which we went to LVO the previous year, and we stayed at the Rio. Um, one of the things we learned is stay at the Palms. <laughs> So the Palms is walking distance, um, like super close. It's about the same price and it's much nicer. Um, so we're, we're going to do the same thing next year. Like I'll, I'll go again. Um, but for the money you're paying for the Rio, I think it's just better to stay at the Palms. The convention center uh, side of things is actually quite nice. Um, like the Rio's convention center is, is, is good. Um, I went to actually walk through the, the heresy, uh, rooms and some of the other, um, I guess, uh, non-GW game rooms. Uh, and it's just huge. It's a, it's a massive space that they have there. So that's, it's pretty cool to see the spectacle. Um, as far as the uh, actual event went, um, I brought my Harlequins. Um, I brought a Skyweaver sort of spam build. And the biggest thing I was competing for was presentation. So I built out a, um, like a water resin pour display board. Like it was probably one of the more intense hobby projects I've done. Um, in the past, I've placed second for presentation twice, and I've placed second for Renman. So this is, I've always kind of been a little bit of the bridesmaid here, so I was trying to, to really pull out all the stops with the Harlequins. Uh, and I also still wanted to compete with the, with the army. It wasn't just a presentation project. So yeah, I had um, six phenomenal games, actually. I had, usually you get you know one that's a little less good in there, but this year, for whatever reason, just had phenomenal opponents. Uh, I made an exit pretty early. My first game uh, into Cody Giroux. He's a very good Dark Eldar player. Um, and I just proceeded to roll trash. Like, I don't even... I've never <laughs> seen my dice do that before. Uh, stuff like 21 attacks at a unit of Harlequins. All ones and twos. Every single one miss. Like, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Five guys getting out of a destroyed transport all die. Like, just random stuff where you're like, I, I guess I'm not winning this game. Uh, so that's how this is going to be. Um, so after that, a lot of pressure off from the, the gaming side of things. So, uh, end of day one, uh, I was two and one. Um, yeah, like I said, played two great other opponents the rest of day one. Kind of had a, a pretty chill evening. Um, day two, uh, won my first game, so I was three and one. My fifth game, I actually played an opponent I'd played last year. Uh, with a very hard counter army. Uh, I was playing Drakari, uh, a bunch of Talos, and he took um, Rack Spam, basically like just a carpet of racks that I couldn't do anything to. So he had a very hard counter army to me last year and beat me. And this year I roll up to the table and he has another super hard counter army to me. He's playing Thousand Suns and Flamers, and Harlequins uh, don't love that uh, necessarily, so... Uh, lost that game, uh, and then my last game, I played uh, Demon's Player, um, 
and ended up with a tie. So I ended up going three, two, and one. Uh, phenomenal weekend, like I said. Both, both the tie game was one of my favorites I played in a while. Um, day two was a little stressful for me because I played every single one of my opponents. Day two brought Flamers of Zinch, oh, which wow. was fun because if if you, if you follow 40k, uh, they're a bit of a boogeyman now, and they got they just took a pretty big nerf. So. Um, Elvio was playing pre-Arcs uh, of Omen rules, so everything was uh, basically cut off in December, so Flamers were at full effect, so I played 40 Flamers of Zinch over the three games. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, it was a little tough, a little, a little rough, so I was pretty happy with a win, a tie, and a loss um, on day two, considering my matchups were, were rough. Um, but one of the things that was interesting is on day two, um, so the, you... Obviously, I was competing for painting. So set up your army day one. There's like 230 people that set up their army. And this year, they asked if you weren't actively competing for a paint award, don't set up your army. We, we don't have time. Um, so they had 230 people set up. I think day two, they had more people that they didn't get to set up in the morning. So they, they went through a lot of people for paint judging, um, which was cool. Um, and then at the end of day two, I had judges come around and say, hey, your army's uh, selected for the finals. Um, so it's the top 10 of everybody else. Oh, um, so that was cool. Um, they did a little bit better in previous years. They'd done the top 10 uh, end of day two in the evening at the same time as a shadow round, which actually kind of sucks because you have to stick around and wait for paint judging in the evening. You've played three games. It's like eight o'clock. If you want to go for dinner, you're not getting out of there till like nine or 10. Uh, kind of ruins your day two evening. Uh, this year, they did it quite a bit different. So they did the finals paint judging um, on the Sunday morning, so day three morning, uh, at 8 a.m., and Duncan Rhodes uh, did the judging. So uh, that was super cool. So basically set up your army. Uh, he went through uh, with each person in the top 10, and you sort of got a 30-second uh, chance to give a bit of a spiel to say, hey, these are the techniques I've used. Um, this is what makes my, my particular style special. Um, t pay attention to these particular things that I've embellished or whatever you're doing, these conversions. Like you might not notice these standard, you know, these models have changed slightly. Um, so everybody went through and did that. Um, and then uh, you get to wait through day three for the awards. You don't know how you've done. Um, so basically hung around uh, for day three. Um, I'm pretty good friends with Sean Naden, so I was there cheering him on. Um, which was a lot of fun to watch him go go ham with his orcs um, and just hang out with a bunch of people that I haven't chatted with in a while, um, which was a lot of fun on the sort of more chill day three. Um, grab a couple beers and just do the social aspect, which is part of the reason I love the LVO is like, there's a lot of my 40K friends that I don't get to see. They live in different parts of the world. Uh, so just hanging out, you know, talking 40K is fun. Um, and then, yeah, awards rolled around, um, and uh, it was a good year for me. I uh, won first for paint, um, which was what I wanted to do and wanted to do for quite a while now. So that was a goal that's kind of checked off my list. Um, super happy with that. Um, competition was stiff, so I'm, I'm, yeah, like I said, I, I'm over the moon with that, um, that result. Um, so that was the first set of awards for the event, and I kind of you know, sat down, was kind of done with uh, assuming I wasn't going to get anything because of the my three, two, and one result. I assume would have uh, would have removed me from Renman or what they call Hobby Paragon now, which is best overall or whatever. Um, but they've changed the scoring system, so your paint score is now a multiplier of your game score uh, and battle point score specifically. So your 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 uh, win loss draw doesn't matter; um, it's your oh, battle okay. points. And what's interesting from my perspective is Harlequins are a high-scoring army even if they lose, right? Like, they, they almost consistently score 80s uh, the whole time. Um, so, you know, you might lose a game 90-80, but you, you're still getting your 80 at, at sort of minimum. Um, so they went on to the Redman um, Awards, and I got third, um, which was a total surprise. Um, but, like I said, super happy with that. Um, yeah, so it was a it was a hell of a good year for me. I got a giant chainsword trophy, which is pretty sweet, um, and uh, walked away with some uh, prize money. So uh, yeah, it was a uh, you know my probably my favorite LVO for a couple of reasons, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was a hell of a good year. Um, I would 
I do have some criticisms of the event. Um, the biggest one, I think there's a lot of people uh, in the 40k scene that have echoed the same thing. The terrain set is starting to feel a little, little old. Um, the, the way they did the terrain this year is they basically had um, five or six different types of terrain and they alternated them table to table. So some tables uh, had quite a lot of line of sight blocking terrain, like the new Sisters of Battle Sanctum or whatever the hell they're calling it uh, was, was like super good for hiding uh, units, that kind of stuff. Uh, but then like their old industrial tables were basically like wide open. Um, and you did not know, like in years past, the older sets have been at the bottom tables. So you might have to play on them round one if you're not doing so well and, or, you know, or later rounds if you're not doing so well, but as you start to progress more, you get more like quote unquote competitive terrain. Um, so there were some like tables that you just kind of rolled up to and you were like, well, I have nowhere to hide. I guess I could just get shot. Um, and uh, the non-standardization of terrain was a little, little rough. I'd like to see FLG invest into more of their new, uh, new terrain sets. Uh, Cause I think it'll just make like competitive 40 K a little bit more, reasonable like nobody wants to roll up on industrial against tau with a combat army like it's just an auto loss kind of thing so yeah um and a few people definitely experienced that uh one of my good buddies tom i know (laughs) was running a dreadnought spam list and rolled into it i think the industrial table with triple hammerheads and he was just like well that's cool (laughs) i literally can't do anything like even if i go first i don't get to charge you i just get shot off the table so that happened to him um yeah other than that that's my biggest complaint the event ran smoothly it was on time um yeah it was a hell of a lot of fun it sounds really good and congrats on your taking home the first spot for painting and then your third place for your renaissance man that's pretty legit would you say it was hobby paragon now yeah that's what they're calling it hobby paragon I, i think it's what gw calls it so that's what they're going with um yeah so didn't get the first for ren man which was you know, would have loved to have done, but obviously my my uh, my uh, battle points weren't anywhere. Sean, so Sean Naden won Ren Man, uh, or I guess Hobby Paragon, because yeah. uh, he like I think he dropped ten points the entire event or something ridiculous. He lo- he came in second, but uh, obviously he he paints quite well. Um, and uh, Paragon first place for Paragon gets you a flight and trip to uh, the Warhammer Finals now in Atlanta. No oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a pretty big deal to win that one. So um, yeah, uh, would have loved to have done that, but you know, gotta gotta start swinging with uh, with guys like Sean Hayden, which is a little more a little more interesting. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I did watch that final game. Um, uh, him, he was playing against the Blood Angels. Yeah, Jack Harper. Yeah, that, that looked pretty uh, looked pretty intense. Some uh, it uh, it was. Play. It was going well for him uh, and uh, failed a six-inch re-rollable charge and the game like turned on a dime. Uh, so, yeah, uh, both those guys are good good guys. Um, yeah, nice nice people and uh, couldn't be happier for both of them to do so well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's sometimes the best laid plans just get decided by the dice gods and that's it, man. Yeah, you know, you gotta laugh. Like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting. I'm not expecting to go six and zero, right? Like, the the level of play in 40k now is so high. Yeah. Um, and some of those guys um, just are unbelievably good at the game. Um, and unless you're thinking about it, playing games on TTS, you know, three, three, four times a week, um, you know, playing games in person a couple times a week, you're you're just not going to compete with with them anymore. You have to be at a level. Um, and the other side of things too is when you're when you're trying to compete for paint, your hobby <laughs> backlog dictates the army you're going to bring. Uh, like I can't just pivot, you know, a month before. Um, so it, it is what it is. I'm I'm like I said, I'm still over the moon with how well I did. Um, next year I will probably not compete for paint. That is a massive amount of work. Yeah. Um, next year I'm going to bring something just more for fun, probably a little more competitive and, and not going to go all out on the, uh, you know, conversions and freehand and that kind of stuff. So we'll see what I bring, but yeah. Oh, very cool. Sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations there, Steven. Uh, yes. like I'm a couple, a couple years out of uh, 40k myself, but I think it speaks volumes because Harlequins, are they not one of the more finesse armies? Like to go they are, two and one, that's quite a quite an accomplishment. They are uh, finesse in a way. Um, they're forty k. If you've been out of the scene for a little bit, um, they're 
they're one of the more stronger armies right now because they just play 40k well. Like they move well, they score secondaries well, um, and they generally trade okay. Um, they definitely are a little more finesse than some of the lists, like you know Imperial Knights or or um, like even you know Sean's Blitzkrieg Orcs were a little less finessey in some ways. There's 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 arguments there, but every army right now, like the game is actually in a pretty healthy spot. Um, it's 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 weird. We talk about this a lot in our gaming group that uh, you know 40k is good if you're playing top tier armies. It's a very nice, fun, balanced game. But 40k makes it extremely easy to build bad armies, which leads to a lot of feels bad moments for newer players or people that don't take it as serious. If you're like, oh, I want to just get some stuff on the table, it can be real bad time for you uh, if you're run into somebody that you know is a little more serious about it, which is the which is the unfortunate part. But yeah. Um, it's uh, so it wasn't like my Harlequins were like super hardcore, really, you know, incredibly finessey, um, but you know, maybe a little bit more so than the average uh, army. So yeah, I'm happy with it. Chris, how about you? How was your weekend, man? It was good. It was good. Uh, now you got me thinking about my old 40k days, and yeah, I guess I <laughs> yeah. didn't take it very serious because I always got just cut to ribbons <laughs> by Harlequins or stopped well, by knights. It's, uh, uh, like I said, it's changed. It's, uh, it's a lot different. So, you know, if you come back to it, you might, you'll, you'll probably have a little better time than the old seventh and eighth. So yeah, you never know. Yeah, no, my weekend was pretty good. Uh, this was the first LVO event I had attended. And, uh, actually this is the first wargaming event that I actually had to fly to. Oh, but, cool. Uh, but I've been wargaming probably 15 years kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I stayed at the Rio, and uh, I'd have to echo what uh, Stephen was saying there. But, um, it's definitely showing its age. That's a nice the, way uh, of putting it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, the hotel side, yeah. So uh, I'll probably take your advice on the palms. Uh, overall, it's pretty good. For bolt action, though, it's obviously a much smaller scene. They had 16 tables set up. Uh, the... Best Coast pairings had anywhere from 32 to 36 guys. And you might ask how that happens. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> how that happens, but it, that's how it worked out. Uh, it was a memorial uh, tournament for Shay, who was one of the Warlord employees who passed away, I believe, late 21 or early 22. And... Uh, it was a good tournament, but I have to say there was a couple missed opportunities. Like you would have never known that was a memorial, uh, memorial tournament, unless, unless you read the, the player pack, very specifically. But, yeah, I'll leave it at that. It was a good round. The it was a two day event on the Saturday, Sunday, five games. Uh, Bolt action inherently is very different than 40k. It's very much uh, like a beer and pretzels kind of game that can be competitive. So there was, I would say, about half the players were there for, kind of like Bill was saying, where show up, have some drinks, the social side of it, roll some dice, have some good hard games, and it kind of it goes where it goes. But the other half, whew, they were there to smash face and uh, place on the podium. My my second game was against a fella named Jason, and when we looked at each other's lists, I puked in my mouth a little bit. It was it was wild. He had SAS and Gurkhas and all the good stuff the British can ever field. But uh, but basically, my first game was uh, against an Australian gentleman who was running a uh, a Hitler Youth kind of list. And that's not something we see too often in the Edmonton area. And uh, inexperienced infantry that can go fanatic, yada, 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 stuff like that. Good game. I ended up winning that one. And then the second one was against Jason. And man, was that a close fought game. It was one of those games where it was, uh, you could look at turn five and say, yeah, this is the turn that's going to decide it. We're both in a position where you have to push to make it work. And you're going to know by the end of this turn who's going to win this one. Jason ended up beating me in that one. But man, that was a good game. That was well played on both sides. Hard fought. So I can't really complain on that by any means. And then the third one played uh, a fella named Kevin. And 
I think he said he'd played maybe 10 games of bolt action ever. So it was more or less a, a very friendly game in that one. And uh, I never mind showing, showing people the ropes and kind of coaching them on maybe what's a better option to do. So that was a great game. Good to meet people. Was that First the, day was... Uh, sorry, was that the American guy you were playing? The, the American army that I, when I popped over? Yes, yes, okay. it was. Yeah, yeah. He had a kind of like a a veteran infantry list with paratroopers sprinkled in there. The uh, the list options could have been optimized a little bit, but like I say, he was just joining in, so it was no harm, no foul. Shake hands and having a good time. Day one uh, was really good. Now, when we got to day two, though. Uh, unfortunately, I was hearing stories of a little bit of sportsmanship issues, and, uh, yeah, the gentleman I played, played well, and, whoo, straight to the, holding you to the rules, to the 16th of the inch, it, uh, it was a good game, he ended up winning, and, uh, he had, I'm trying to remember now, he had Germans, kind of a Stu 42, kind of list, uh, Panzer Grenadiers, half-track kind of thing, truck, the usual smattering in a generic reinforced platoon. He ended up winning that one. And then the last game, the tables in general were good, but on that last game, unfortunately, there was so much rough terrain in it that the scenario was point defense, and I had rolled where... I ended up being the attacker, having to push. And there was so much terrain on the board that I could only physically contest the three objectives by the end of turn six. So all he had to do was slow me up or hold me once, and he had the win. So it was pretty much a foregone conclusion from the beginning. But nonetheless, a good game. We ended up seeing where it was going by turn three, so we called it, shook hands, and then just bullshitted for the rest of it, really. So it was great to meet people from all over the states, all over the world, really. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a good time for sure. In defense of the uh, the Wardard fellas, though, I believe they had some issues with uh, people saying they were going to bring terrain, and then various... I believe one guy was sick. I'm not sure if it was COVID or not, but uh, he didn't make it, and he had a table or two worth of terrain with him. So they were kind of scrambling to get the tables. So some were done really well, and some could have been better, but life also, life also happens, so it's hard to, hard to crap on them. Yeah, I feel that. When I was talking, I believe, with uh, Jay, his name was, he was kind of uh, telling me the same thing. Um, even the same thing kind of happened overall for the uh, for the event. From what I understood, I think there was supposed to be like an additional twenty tables getting brought by GW, and then something ended up happening. The terrain never made it. I know the first round for our heresy stuff, uh, the terrain was pretty sparse, and then after that, they were able to condense some tables and kind of uh, you know flush out the tables a little bit more, which was nice. Um, yeah, they, uh, they had a few, um, I know talking with some folks, I'm not sure how much public knowledge this is, but I'm sure it's, it doesn't really matter, but I know GW had some thefts, um, of stuff that was shipped there. So, um, that's a problem that definitely affected heresy for sure. So yeah. sucks. Yeah. It, it, it kind of was super shitty. Um, the, speaking of theft, I know, um, Caleb there, he ended up bringing what was a horse ascended and Angron and. Uh, a Vulcan and someone stole his um, case with the models. It's like a clear glass case with all of them on display, and someone ended up stealing it out of the ex uh, exhibitor hall. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, on the Friday, I was just like, "Holy man, that's just yeah." The event's gotten big enough now that uh, like you gotta you gotta watch that sort of stuff. Like it's it's one of the things that um, is unfortunate with an event getting that big. Yeah. Um, I I have uh, um. Yeah, I have a lot of fear of leaving my stuff in the hall, like even grabbing lunch and that kind of stuff, because I've actually had models in the past stolen, like years ago, yeah. um, from my table. Um, 
Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's one of the downsides. Um, yeah, it is what it is. You know, 99% of people aren't going to have any issue, but uh, it's, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, no doubt. I know even for lunch, I was hiding my shit, like, under tables. Like, yeah. you know, hidden by the tablecloth, however I could, right? Because I'm, I'm also paranoid about that one cool fucking model that you spent however long painting is gone, yep. right? And you're like, oh, dude, it's gone. And that's kind of what you'll get. It's like, oh, shit, man. You know, it's just kind of a bummer. Um, and, yeah, to echo the same point about the Rio, like, I know after the event itself, we kind of talked. And I was like, okay, so next time we just get a one-bedroom hotel and we leave, we, you know, we combo up with whoever wants to jump in and we yep. just throw our shit into the hotel room so we don't have to lug it. And then we stay somewhere else because, yeah, I wasn't – I wasn't a big fan of uh, the Rio itself, and what kind of kind of killed it for me a bit was just the lack of uh, um, like food options and restaurants. There's only the real two places that were open, and trying to get to the Hash House in the morning was like super busy, or it was super expensive. We ended up actually booking it to the Denny's, uh, just kind of kitty corner across the street for most of the weekend because it was quick and easy and. Uh, you know, a little bit out of the way, which was nice. It wasn't super busy inside, which was a bonus. So, yeah, we did the same. Um, the Denny's was a good call for breakfast because, yeah, you were you were not getting uh, getting a seat in certain places at the Rio. Yeah. And I'm gonna once again say, you know, the Palms is not uh, the nicest hotel on, in Vegas, but I mean, there, there's a price point issue with some of the nicer ones. Yeah. Well, for uh, sure. But it's it's still reasonable, and the the one thing I will say is the food choices there are a lot cheaper. There's uh, if you're going there next year, go to Mabel's Barbecue on the Thursday night. They have dollar beers and like a meal's fifteen bucks, which you will not find anywhere in the Rio, uh, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's significantly more reasonable food wise. So um, yeah, it was a it was a hack we learned last year. Stay at the Palms. We're gonna do the same thing. We're gonna get like. 20 people uh, book a hotel room at the Rio just as like basically a locker room, uh, yeah. like throw our stuff in there and then just walk to the Palms. Yeah. It's definitely was, a solid idea. I was hearing a rumor though, uh, that I believe the Rio was owned by the Caesars entertainment group. Yeah. I think they swapped hands and I was hearing they're due for a major reno in the Rio. Well, the other option, there's there's a bunch of rumors floating around. Uh, so I'm a huge baseball fan, and one of the big rumors in the baseball world is they're building a stadium where the Rio is, um, which I would love to see because I'd love to have Vegas have a baseball team. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with it. It's it's going to either get gutted and, and renoed or tore down. So, uh, But it, uh, talking with Reese, they're back at the Rio for another two years. Um, and part of that, too, is... Um, like they kind of have to work their way up through the convention hall scene in Vegas. Like you can't just go and say, Hey, I want Caesar's convention hall. Uh, cause you know, you got to prove that you can fill it, um, consistently. Uh, and I think this year that's a pretty good showing that they can, um, but they still got another, they still got another two more years apparently, which, you know, is what it is. We've got, we got ways around it now. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, there's always hacks around it, right. To try and, uh, Yep. Stretch your traveling dollar, your hobby dollar, your food dollar. Yeah. So, um, Chris, guys... I'm interested to hear about you, about uh, uh, your first uh, trip flying down. How was flying with miniatures? I've done it so many times. I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> what a, a new timer feels about that. Oh, man, I have to admit, I sent uh, Bill a message on Facebook Messenger there, and I was like, hey, man, do you fly with models? Like, how is this going to go? And uh, I had some serious reservations, and I met some people down there that had some serious horror stories. That <laughs> yep. like the guys would look at their Magna Rack kit, and oh, it's got a fragile tag, and they would just throw it in the plane. I was like, no, not a chance. I specifically bought a, a battle foam kit for this event, and uh, made sure it came on the plane with me. I was very specific on that. Yeah, I had uh, I had TSA. Um, you know, we examined your luggage tags or whatever with in my display board because, like, I imagine when they re- X-rayed that thing, they were like, "What in the hell is this guy bringing? It's got an aluminum case, like, <laughs> thick, full of resin. Like, what possibly is this guy doing?" Um, yeah, it's it's always fun getting through security and traveling. So, yep. Yeah, absolutely. It that's that's my biggest 
kind of uh, word of advice for anybody is don't check your models. Bring yeah. them on the plane. Uh, if you're looking, you know, I know there's some of the uh, battle phone boxes. I use the GW Crusader case, and it yep. fits fits all my shit, and that thing just slides right into the overhead. No problem at all. And then you still get your little, you know, personal item, satchel, bag, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, never check it because our Armin, poor guy, the last time went to an event in Victoria, same thing. He had a bunch of uh, Dreadclaw and Charybdis drop pods all inside his, like, checked luggage. And it had, you know, um, fragile on the bag. And you just see this fucking dude working the dock, kind of looked at the bag, just fucking chucked it. And it yep. bounced on onto the, like, that little conveyor. And I was like, dude, that bag just bounced. And Armin's just like, oh, God, no. And we're just killing ourselves laughing. I was like, I told you, don't check that shit. You got to put it in a bag, like, take it on the plane. and Yeah, sometimes you got no choice. Like, if you're, if, if you're building your like let's say you're playing imperial knights and you glue them at the waist and then you can't fit them in in your mistakes were made yeah yeah you gotta you gotta if you're thinking about traveling with certain models you gotta you gotta make sure you build them to travel which is an interesting like thing to think about um yeah it's it's a whole disaster so yeah yeah and anybody traveling with titans i saw there was a couple of reavers no warlords this year um but I know, yeah, traveling with anything big like a Titan like that is just whew, far braver than I am because I don't, I don't know if I could check it. Like, yeah, you'd, you'd have to get like a dedicated Pelican case for just yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So, yeah. Overall, yeah, it, the uh, event was really good, positive. I think. Um, just yeah. yeah i do want to always like you know there's always at the end of these events like people it sounds negative because there's always criticism coming out of these things i i do want to encourage anybody that's thinking about going to lvo like if you've got the disposable income do it it's a lot of fun even just for the social aspect um it is a spectacle um and, and if you're from you know our part of the world uh western canada is the biggest event that's easy to get to it's uh it's it's worth doing. Like I, I always have a blast. Um, my criticisms are minor. Um, I'll be there next year, likely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did either of you gents hit up the Saturday night pub crawl? No. I did not because I had to be up at eight a.m. for paint judging, and I know that if oh I went on that God. pub crawl, I would have had a miserable morning. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would have been there. Did either of you fellas go check out any of the other game systems? I know I went and checked out Team Yankee as I was interested in that. The Flames of War. I didn't get a chance to look at the Star Wars Legion too closely, but I definitely took a quick little stroll in there. Apparently that has grown quite a yep. bit. I uh, It's one of those games that's like pretty close to, to, to getting some of my hobby dollars. Uh, I went through the Legion side of things. Uh, it looks great. Um, looked like they were having a ton of fun. The train was super cool. Um, yeah, I, I have to admit, like some of the some of the droid armies look just fun. Um, yeah, it, it looks like a cool system. Yeah, I, I definitely got to check out a couple different uh, systems in the Amazon hall. We were mainly, and then spent a little bit of time kind of circling through uh, 40k, which the 40k stuff was insane. Like when it was full swing day two, it was just. So many people, as far as you could see, like in that massive hall and like yep. the noise, right? I was just like, oh, wow. Like this is just, it's a whole nother experience. Like, yeah, definitely anyone who, even if you aren't an active 40K player, just to go check that out is, uh, yeah, I'd highly recommend it because you, you, you'll be blown away by the, just the energy in the room. And then, you know, not to mention like you've been saying, Stephen, there's guys coming from really nice high caliber uh, players, painting, uh, gaming, like just everything that you can possibly expect to see, you, you will see there. Yeah. Spread, the other so. thing to note too is, you know, the, the other part that I always try and like push back on is um, that, you know, it's sort of a win at all costs tournament. Like you're going to get all these bad games and that kind of stuff, you know, these, these chippy kind of games. Uh, 40K with the streaming side of things is really taking a lot of that out. Those players that are that kind of thing, they get called out on it and... The community doesn't really tolerate it. Uh, and if you lose your first couple of games, you end up in the beer and pretzels version of things. Uh, and it is just fun. Like, I know, I think all of us had pretty much, no, like none of the none of the guys that I went down with from Edmonton did 
particularly well, uh, but we all had like really good games. Like if you're if you're in the bottom half, you know, going for three and three or four and two, you're gonna have a great time. Um, and that that's the other thing to call out is it's very rare. Uh, and one, I mean, this is a little bit uh, to shit on our local scene to an extent. <laughs> I like to travel to uh, Vegas uh, to play because I find they get higher quality games with more sportsmanship, less gotcha moments, less, um, um, you know, less kind of like minutia of the game or like people trying to, you know, uh, pull a fast one, that kind of stuff. Um, I find that uh, Vegas gives me better quality games, even if they're harder games and I lose more in Vegas. Um, like I do relatively well locally. Um, and in Vegas, I'm, I'm probably a three and three or a four and two player, uh, you know, or a two and four or whatever. Um, so that, that's one of the things to note too, is like you get better games and they're more sporting in a way. Um, so that, that's my, my rant for, for 40 K. Um, go. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, awesome. Yeah, definitely. You heard it here. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, get actively involved. I know there's pages that support the event and will give you all sorts of feedback. So you can kind of follow along. Um, yeah, there, there's, that's really all I, I can say about it as well. It's just, yeah, it, it's well worth, well worth the experience for sure. Yeah, and if you're playing the secondary, quote unquote, secondary systems, that's like old GW terminology, uh, not that bolt action or, or flames or anything like that. It's a secondary system. Uh, it's also still worth going because I guarantee you're going to have friends that are going to play other systems or 40k or whatever. You can get a group to go, um, and it's just it's just a good weekend to nerd out for not just 40k, but yeah, if you are a 40k player, I think you have to go. You owe it to yourself. Well said for sure. Well said. I guess, uh, is there anything else you guys want to touch base on before we wrap it up? Only other thing I was going to ask is, Chris, are you going to go next year? How do you, how do you feel about the event? Uh, I was thinking about that. Um, now that I've learned some lessons regarding like the food cost and where to stay and so on, I would be inclined to say yes, but I have to play that one by year. If I cool. did, I think I might mix up the system. Like, uh, if how have I known there would have been Team Yankee on the Friday? I would have happily invested into Team Yankee before, so then I could have done three days of events. So more or less, this is a, a learning learning trip. So uh, yeah, yeah, I would go again. That's good because uh, then we'll get to hang out next year. <laughs> Heck yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cool. Well, awesome. Well, thank you both for jumping on and sharing your LVO experience with us and the listeners. It's much appreciated. Happy to be here. It's always fun to talk nerd stuff. Thanks for having me. Hey, not a problem. And then, yeah, we'll definitely, uh, I'll try and get some uh, pictures from the gents here of uh, armies and uh, some stuff from the event to throw up and have links in the description as well. So, um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening and tuning in. And we'll definitely uh, catch you guys next time.